Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. Good morning. Glad you're here at church today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Keith. I'm the campus pastor here. We're so glad that you're at Renew Life today. And um, this is, it's just been a good Sunday already, a good weekend. Um, I, one of my favorite things to do is, <clears throat> is kind of bring in some different people during the year and bring in some guest speakers um, because, um, first of all, I believe very much so that I don't have it all, all right, <laughs> and that there are gifts that I carry and there are gifts that other people carry. And um, I want you to experience the fullness of God in the fullness of the gifts that he's actually placed in the church. Amen. And um, so today we have a, a real special guest. I know you were probably here last week or last year and um, you, we, when we had Chris Hart in. Um, but this is a man. Chris is, is one of my good friends. We've, we've got to know each other a lot over the last probably two years now. Um, I, actually, I actually he's actually kind of my you're kind of my boss. In some ways, <laughs> he he owns what is called the Brave Group, and um, he he coaches high uh, personal coaches, high level leaders, pastors, businessmen. He was a pastor for 15 years, owns multiple businesses. Um, is just a and, and I think what what I love most about Chris is the the energy and the faith that he brings to every room that he walks in. I'm just telling you right now, you will leave ready to run through a wall after today's message. Because that's just what he carries, and that's what he is. How many of you would, would like a little faith injection? Anybody need a little faith? All right. Why don't you just uh, give a big welcome and round of applause for my man, Chris Hart. Oh, come on. You can do way better than that. Good to see everybody. How we doing? Come on. A little Renewed Life Church, Lubbock style. Come on. Really, really good to be here. I do love this house. I love, I love what this church represents just who you are. Uh, man, every time, unbelievable worship, great people. I am massive fans of Pastor Keith and Natalie and, and Braden and Leanne and everybody that kind of represents all that is here. So one, thank you for having me. And, and two, it's an honor. It, it's cool to be in the house, man. We, I love the church. Um, I, I was in college and met my pastor and it was an immediate connection uh, I met him. It was random. We were getting to know each other. And he goes, man, there's a call of God in your life. I'm like, hey, thanks, man. And he goes, uh, he goes, no, come to my church and I'll tell you what it is. And I'm like, that sounds like a preacher trick. You know, like that's a, come on, preacher. You, you, you can do better than that. And he goes, well, how about lunch? And I was like, well, shoot, I like lunch. So literally I went to lunch. We've been there for 23 years. So it's a, it's a pretty good, great lunch, by the way. Really set the tone for all of it. But I'm, I'm just telling you, we love the church. And, and you're here in this house, I believe, because you either love the church already or there's something stirring inside of you that helps you recognize and understand that this is where you're supposed to be. You, you can be great from here. You can do what you're supposed to do from right here. And I, I believe that with my whole heart. So I just, I want you to kind of dig in with me today, man. You're in the house and you're here for a reason. You're here on purpose. And, and, and there's two things I know, man. God loves you and God has a plan for you. So, so if we can grab a hold of that and, and operate from there, I think we're going to have a good time today and hopefully the rest of our lives, all right? So, so I'm, I'm just going to pray. Let, let's kind of dive into this. Uh, I believe that, that God wants to do something specific today, and, and I'm believing it's, it's for right now, and then there's kind of a, a, a larger kind of macro vibe to this message today. All right, let's get into it. God, we love you. 
I just thank you for who you are, God. I thank you that, that everybody that's here right now is supposed to be here right now. God, I thank you that for men and women in this room, God, there's nothing missing, there's nothing broken. God, because you're here. And you're all that we need. Your grace is sufficient. We know that. We love that. And it's an honor to be considered your people. God, we love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you didn't know, it also happens to be Palm Sunday, which is fascinating, right? A lot of, lot of cool stuff that goes with that. But what, what that really means is that next week is, come on now. And, and we, were, we were giggling about this because, man, some folks will go to church on Easter, okay? So like, like, like that like salty old aunt that, that just hates God, it's like, she'll go to church on Easter, you know what I mean? Like it's, she'll come, that, 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 that neighbor that you just don't like, that, that, that he put his fence a foot into your property line, that sucker will go to Easter, you know what I mean? So, so what, wherever you're at, I just wanna, I wanna encourage you. And this is where this, this message is for right now, like this week's a big week. I don't know if you know this, but there's a few people in Lubbock that are gonna go to hell if we don't do something about it, okay? And there's people that just came into your mind like, I know she's going to hell. Like, okay, but let's do something about it. That's what we get to do as the church. So, so what was amazing is what happened, and you can kind of study this if you want to in John 12, but, but Palm Sunday is amazing because two months before all the Palm Sunday stuff happened, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So now for two months, it's, it's psycho town because there's been a, a death resurrection that's taken place. And everybody's freaking out. They're losing their biscuits over this, what in the world just happened? Lazarus was dead and now he's not. So everything anybody had heard about Jesus before that was solidified with this resurrection that he provided. So now they're grabbing palm branches and, and throwing them on the ground and yelling, Hosanna, the overcomer, and it's this massive victorious entrance. That's Palm Sunday. And then a few days later, the whole world turns on him and he dies for us. And we know the good part of that story is he is risen again. But what's fascinating is the reality that at the absolute, complete, and total height of his time on earth as a 33-year-old man, man, a few days later, he laid all of that down for us. And that's the power of kind of what we're experiencing and celebrating this week. And I just wanna, I wanna challenge us today. This is where we're gonna go today. Jesus was on a mission. And I wanna, I wanna kind of stir that up in you a little bit today. I just, I just wanna, I wanna make sure, I wanna ask, I want, I want you to be so solidified in your reality that you're on your mission. He was, he did it, he exampled it. He, he, he discipled 12 men, one of them didn't turn out so good, the other 11 were studs. And he did, that was part of his mission. And at the height of his fame and his glory, he laid it down to actually fulfill the mission and he died for us. And next week is the celebration of that. And, and I think Keith said, man, there's a grace on Easter. Invite somebody to church and they will come. It's, it's a powerful time, but that's what we get to be about. So today, kind of what I wanna challenge us on is this idea that for you to actually be on mission, I wanna understand a couple things that are gonna try to oppose you on that mission. A whole other 
teaching would kind of be on, on you and your time with God and, and really solidifying it. What I'm hoping is today as we talk, there's things that stir inside of you that, that maybe you thought as a kid. I know there was a time, like right, right when I got saved, I recognized some things I was supposed to be about in my life. And that stirred back up like 15 years later. It was awesome. And I'm believing that for you. I'm believing that some things that you know you're supposed to be about stir inside of you. And then what I want to challenge you on, here's some things that are going to try to oppose that. And I want to give you a heads up on it. Does that sound good? Number one, your excuses are a lie. I'm going to come out swinging this morning, okay? Right? Like, so so if, if you make excuses, excuses come in all shapes and sizes. You know that. And I'm going I'm to twist this at the end of this point, but man, if you're making an excuse, a lot of times we're lying to ourselves or the person we're giving the excuse to. It's like, well, I'd love to, I'd love to get in shape, and then we find a series of excuses as to why that's not possible. Well, it would mean I'd have to get up early, and you know, I'm just not really a morning person. That's because you're up till two in the morning. It's hard to be a morning person three hours later. I get that. But we're making excuses about something. We want to be doing something. We're seeing progress in an area, but we're leading with excuses. And it's one thing to make an excuse. I think it puts it in a whole different category if we just say, hey, I'm not a liar. Don't call me that. And so if, I, if excuses are in the same category as lying, man, let's look at it and give it that kind of a gravity because that's not what we're going to be about. Man, God's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. I'm not gonna excuse my way out of that. Ben Franklin, known as a savage, said this, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. <sighs> Shots fired by that curly-headed guy with the glasses, right? Like that. We love Ben. He's on the hundo. He did something, okay? It's all good, but, but I think, so, so I'm not gonna spend my time as a Christian making excuses for why I can't fulfill the call or gifting of God that's on our lives, I'm just gonna go do it. You're smart, you can make an excuse for anything, you could rationalize so many things, but that's not what we're gonna be about. We're gonna be about solving problems and advancing the kingdom. Let me, let me, give you, let me show you what Jesus did with excuses. Luke 9, 59. Jesus is doing Jesus stuff. He, he, he's he's kind of getting after it. He's done some miracles. He's kind of in the zone, and he's, he's calling folks. Man, why don't you come follow me? Man, why, why don't you jump on this train? And, and I just want to remind you constantly, wherever you're at, that's what Jesus is doing for us today. Well, he wants you to follow him, like for real. And this is interesting because this is, this is in the physical. He's on earth for 33 and a half years, and he's calling people. He's giving them a physical opportunity to follow him. He says to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, like, man, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. But then he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Listen, as far as the ranking of excuses goes, way up. This is a good one, okay? This wasn't like, well, I, I, I packed the wrong, I packed a ham sandwich instead of a turkey sandwich. This is like a, this is a good one. Gee, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure he's thinking like I would, like you would. This is Jesus. He's here to like help people and, and save people and he's a lamb and it's, he's beautiful. I'll, I'll, no, no, no. I think he's expecting a different response than what Jesus gave him. He looks this guy dead in the eyes in verse 60, but Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach 
the kingdom of God. This sounds harsh. This sounds like a hard response from a loving man. But let me give you just a little bit of context here. In the, in the Jewish culture, you had to be present at the burial to receive your inheritance. And if you were the firstborn, if you were there, you got double. I don't know where he was in the birth order, but to get any of the inheritance, he actually had to be present at the burial. So what Jesus is actually calling out is the excuse that he wanted to go and get his stuff done. It's like, man, if I could just go get my money, if I could just go catch this inheritance, I'll be set, and then it would be a very convenient time to follow the Savior of the world. And Jesus calls it out. And I think where I want to go with you today is a little bit of a call out on the convenience and the comfort that we're naturally looking for when it comes to being on mission. There's something you've specifically been called to do. There's people, I believe this, there's people that only you can reach. I don't, I don't, I don't have the same charisma or, or design that, that you might have. You're going to reach people that I can't reach, and hopefully it's the same the other way. So now you get a whole body of believers that are thinking this and understanding this, and it's like, man, there's people groups that need Jesus. But we want to make sure, it's like, man, if, if I could just go kind of get this cash bucket, then it would be very, I, you know what? I could, even, I could even give a little money to the poor if I had that. Here, here's what's the reality. We never hear about this fellow again. He had the opportunity to maybe be as on mission as anyone in history, literally following Jesus physically. And probably didn't realize the moment or the opportunity that he was passing on out of the, the, the sake of convenience. Jesus called him out. Hey, that, that convenient comfort that you're looking for doesn't apply or fit on this mission. And that's why it's a little bit of a challenge this morning, especially this week. I believe there's people you're supposed to invite to church that should be sitting next to you exactly seven days from right now. And I'm hoping right now you're getting a picture of that person. It's that lady at work that you might have mentioned church to before. It is somebody on your, on your street, and it's like, golly, I know what they're going through. They need Jesus. And here's the deal. If we're looking for the comfort and convenience of the talk to invite them, you might just miss it this week. And it's probably going to require a little bit of us getting out of this comfort zone that we've created because they need to be sitting next to you one week from today. Terp, can you help me out real quick? I, I, I try to bring a buddy with me just because it makes it fun, and he, he's a pretty funny guy. Could you just pick a fella and, 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 and maybe just kind of throw him over your shoulder, Terp, and, and bring him up to the stage? Would you just... Just kind of whoever, be spirit-led. You know, yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking, yeah. Don't look away, sir. He is pointing at you, okay? It's good. Help me out, Turp, because, yeah, get you, get you a big one, Turp. That's a, that's a great choice. He's got a beard. Yeah, hey, just, you just got to go with it. So you're, you're going to get people saved today if you just go with the flow. Help him out, Turp. Throw him over there. This is the visual. There you go. Watch this move. Yes. Hey, hey, you know what this is right here? That's taking somebody to church, people. Come on now. Here's... Here's what the Bible says. You let him down a little prematurely. Yeah, get back up. There you go. Now it's like a full workout. Up, down, great. No, you know what the Bible says? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's what it's a good look. Hey, the Bible says, compel them in. I want you to go to the highways and the hedges and get them into the house. You know what that means? Give them no choice. <laughs> 
Again, this sounds harsh, but what'd you just do? Gave him no choice. No choice, people. I'm just telling you, I think that's what this could look like. What's your name, sir? Garen. Garen. Yeah. Strong name, strong beard. Everything's going well up here, okay? Listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know you, right? right? I like you, though. Okay, you just jumped on my buddy's shoulder. It's good. But listen, a couple years ago, I don't know your story. Somebody might have needed to do something like that to get you here. And I'm just telling you, we all know those people that just need a little bit of encouragement and somebody that's going to say, hey, it was a touch. Turple sweat the rest of the day because of that move, okay? <laughs> but I'm telling you, what's the reality is he, is he is on mission. Not making excuses. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to have to throw something on my shoulder in front of the church. No, no. What's your excuse? Let's kill it. You're either lying to yourself or lying to the person you're giving it to. Let's recognize it and give it the strength that we need to overcome it. Clap for Garen and Turp. Good job, guys. Here's a thought. I think we make excuses because we're afraid. So we're letting fear get us out of doing something we're afraid of doing in the first place. And, and fear presents itself in different ways. There's the fear of being embarrassed. There's the fear of change. There's the fear of failure. Here's a good one, the fear of success. Man, what if, I, what if I actually start succeeding, but then I can't maintain it? And then people are thinking, well, it was a fluke. The devil wants to lie to us. The father of lies. And he wants to fear us out of the mission. We're afraid of a conversation inviting somebody that's going to drastically change the rest of their lives. But what we have to do out of the gate, what I love about that example, we gotta embrace the awkward. It's gonna be weird for a minute when he goes upside down. And then all of a sudden he's on stage telling people about Jesus. That's good stuff. But there was an awkward moment that had to be embraced. And I'm telling you, we're here for it. See, if, if, if I... If I Manipulate the word a little bit. We're talking about excuses, but what about, what about the other way to say it, which is excuse? See, see, if you want to get out of class, it's like, teacher, may I be excused? And I think sometimes what we're doing is we're excusing ourselves from the responsibility of the mission. No, I'm, no, 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 can, can I, I, just, I need a little hall pass. I used to love a hall pass. And I'm running around, I'm, I'm flipping people off in classes. I mean, you give me a hall pass, good things are going to happen around the school, okay? But we're excusing ourselves from what we're supposed to be doing. Man, I want you to be on purpose. So I'm not making excuses, and I'm not excusing myself from the responsibility of who you are in Christ. You've been given world-changing, world-class power. Why would I excuse myself from that? Let's jump in here. Second point I want to make today. Number one, kill some excuses. Number two, you will face storms, and I want a fresh mindset where the storm becomes irrelevant. And I want to, I want to wade into this because the reality is some of you came in here in the midst of a storm. Your business is in a storm right now. Your marriage is in a storm right now. Your kids going through a storm right now. So I don't want to take away from the reality that there's some emotion in that and there, there's potentially pain in that. There's, there, there's something in that that's hard. What I want us to do, though, is say I'm going to embrace hard because then that hardens us to difficulty. 
We talked about it in the back room, man. What we're going to do is actually put the yoke, on. we're going to take on his yoke, which is easy and light. Oh, shoot, I don't want to put a yoke on. I got you. But once we do it, then it activates the supernatural, which is all we care about. We're living these natural lives, and we have this unbelievable, unfair advantage to activate the supernatural. And now we can win from that position. That's how this thing works. If we're not walking in peace, we're taking away the, the crown of the Prince of Peace and giving that authority to somebody else. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So if there's a lack of peace in our lives, it's because we're giving authority incorrectly. We're men and women that are called to walk in authority. Man, what Jesus did on the cross, him resurrecting, man, Keith mentioned that a second ago. It's like, wait a minute. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and I. So that's how we have to look at the situation we're navigating right now. You have that authority. I'm gonna take you to a, a great moment in the Bible. Anytime we get to confuse the disciples a little bit, I like, I like to highlight that because that's us, right? Mark 4.35 is where we're gonna start. On that same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go over to the other side. And he's talking about the Sea of Galilee. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified a little bit. It's out of the Sea of Galilee. So, so that was important. This is Jesus speaking with Jesus' God-given authority. What Jesus did is he laid out the mission. We're here now. I know we have to get in a boat, but the reality is we're going to go across this body of water to the other side. So the mission was laid out. He actually didn't give any detail about what would take place from A to B, and I think that was intentional. He said what they were gonna do. He said where they were gonna go, and it was just a given that that was gonna happen. So leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them just as he was in the boat. Other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow. Waves were breaking of the boat. It was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep with his head on a pillow cushion. And they woke him. This is the best part about the disciples. They get all dramatic. And they said to him, teacher, do you not care we're about to die? Whole bunch of fishermen on some water they grew up on, all of a sudden thinking they're going to die. He got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. That word be still there means be muzzled. And the wind died down as if it had grown weary, like he wore it out. And there was at once a great calm and a perfect peacefulness. The Prince of Peace did what he does. See, what's fascinating to me about this is, is who the majority of the disciples were. A lot of them are fishermen. A lot of them literally grew up on this body of water. But for some reason, this moment made them forget what they already knew. They knew how to navigate water naturally. They forgot that and they forgot who was on the boat. Wait a minute, he said we were gonna start here and go there. They forgot that too. There was a command from the creator of the universe. We're on this side of the water and we're gonna go to that side. And I'm telling you what I'm believing right now is what's stirring inside of you is some recognition of some things God's spoken to you. 
What's God said you're gonna do? What's he said you're gonna be about? What has he identified to you that you're great at? What do you know you bring to the table? God put that in you. What are the desires of your heart? Man, the Bible says if we delight ourselves in him, he gives us those desires. So now all of a sudden, instead of looking at the storm, we're looking at it and saying, whoa, whoa, the storm's irrelevant. We were here, and this is where we're going. If we have to navigate some wind and waves, we will do that. And Jesus proved the position we're supposed to be in. He was taking a nappy. I picture him with a warm cookie and a blankie, living the dream in the storm. He's not saying the storm's not there. And I believe he was exampling how they should navigate a storm because there were gonna be a lot of storms after he was gone. But again, to prove his authority, he simply got up and spoke to it. So listen, we're not gonna forget what we already know. You know who you are in Christ. You know what this church stands for. You know what your leadership's about. Man, you take that with you into the storm because you have authority over the storm. The second thing is here, muzzle it. Man, if it's too much and it's just like, oh my gosh, this, I, can't, I can't rest here, there's no rest, I don't have any peace, then stand up and take the authority you're supposed to walk in. Muzzle the storm. You put it away, that, that storm doesn't get to speak louder than you. You're the authority. Muzzle it, shut it down, don't give it a chance to talk. And then I want us thinking, wait a minute, here's what I do. My words have power. And my words communicate peace. Because sometimes we've got to speak to the storms we're navigating, and then there's other times where people haven't thought like this. They haven't been educated or in a house like this, and you've got to speak to their storm. That's where we get in agreement. I had a little tricep injury. We gave a little time for talking and healing. I'm up here. I just caught a little healing on the front row. I'm waving this microphone around like it's my job. I'm feeling great. I was just going to have to yell the whole time because I don't know if I got hold of mic this morning. And here we are healed because somebody helped speak to my storm this morning. How about that? That's the body of Christ in action. That's who you are. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to be about. You create peace with your words. I'm telling you in your notes right now, if you forgot a notebook, don't forget it on Easter. I'm just telling you, think about it. Make a, this is what I need to speak to. This is where there's unrest in my life and I will muzzle it, I will speak to it and I will get the peace that's been promised to me by God. Because you wanna know something? That name of Jesus is above every other name. That's the reality. That's what you take to the bank. That's what we know to be true. Man, you get a doctor's report. Doctor, thank you so much. I owe you one. You gave me a name, and I get to put it in its proper place under the name of Jesus, period. That's a fact. We understand who we are and how we roll. One last thought on this. You really think about history, there's not like a storm we're in today that started 200 years ago that just hasn't stopped. There's an end to every storm. When we're in it, it feels like forever. But I want you to know, it's like, hey, that stock market, it's gonna bounce back. Man, that, that storm, you're going, that relational situation, I'm telling you, you, you step up every day. And listen, we're not just peacekeepers, we're peacemakers. We take the initiative on bringing peace to every situation. Watch that storm come to an end. I know it was crazy. I know it's hard right now. I know you feel fatigued. Guess what? You got a fresh mercy every morning to help you navigate that. You have the strength for the day. So now we're not just like, oh my gosh, trying to go around storms. We're looking for them because we're saying that storm's irrelevant. I'm gonna learn from it. I'm gonna get better from it. 
I'll be hardened for the next one, but it's not getting, it's not keeping me from where we're trying to go. You got to stay on mission. There's people that need Jesus. And if you got to go through a storm to get them and example some authority, man, let's do that. Number three, faith infuses courage. We're people of faith. This this is where I hope this message gets wildly simple for you because we can execute simple. So so we're thinking about, okay, wait, there's there's some excuses I've made. There's some storms I have navigated or am navigating, and now I want to give you the solution. When I was in college, my second day of college, okay, first day, I don't know what we did. I can't remember. We did some orientation and moved into the dorms. The second day, I was introduced to the cafeteria and thought, okay, this is the best thing ever. There is unlimited chocolate milk. I I mean, just all day pizza and nachos, and there happened to be some ladies in there. I thought that was great, too. Just just 18-year-old Chris living the dream in the cafeteria, okay? This guy comes up to me. We had never met. His name's Tim Lurkey. If he watches this someday, that'd be great. And he goes, hey, bro, do you cliff jump? And I thought, what a fascinating question on the second day of college. And I was like, uh, I've jumped off some stuff. I used to jump off of roofs onto the ground. Cliff jumping into water sounds like a breeze, right? Uh, he goes, hey, you want to go today? And I said, heck, we're in college. Let's go cliff jumping with a stranger, okay? So I grab a couple of my friends. He has a couple of his friends. We literally load up in his Jeep, drive to this place. He tells me all the facts about it. It's a 72-foot jump, okay? You're going to be in the air for a little bit. He, he's kind of explaining it and prefacing it. Got a wide variety of people that are going to jump. We get up to the top of the cliff, and it's shockingly higher than I would have expected. I didn't, I, I'm, I'm picturing 72 feet. I'm like, I don't know, what's up? 72, I have no concept of 72 feet, okay? It's just like, I don't know. How tall am I? But I don't know, I, it didn't make sense. We get to the top, and here's, here's the best thing. This fella gets up, his name's H.J. H.J., if you're watching, learn your lesson, okay? He looks over the cliff, and he goes, nope, and he walks over. Dunzo, not gonna do it. No, no care, we're gonna call him a punk. The rest of, you've got four years we're gonna make fun of you for not doing this, and you're sticking with it, okay? He says no. There's like four of us left. Tim, the hero, he goes, there's one key element in a good cliff jump. One, well, two. One, you gotta jump far enough out to not get killed by the sharp rocks that are jetting out a little bit. Okay, that's one. Okay, I almost forgot that part. But you have to jump out and then start going down. The down's gonna take care of itself. The out, you gotta do, okay? So it's all good. Number two, I don't know if this is true or not, but he said you should make like a pencil and it'll give you a good angle to go into the water. It's the only piece of advice he gave us, so we all tried it really good, okay? So he jumps off first. He's in the air for a long time. He goes in like he's done it a million times. Makes a perfect pencil, goes into the water. I'm thinking, well, he's alive. This is good, right? So H.J.'s like, that's why I'm telling you guys, that's why I'm not doing it. I'm like, come on, but it's my turn. It's really nobody's turn, but I thought, I'm going to get this over with, so it becomes my turn, right? I jump as far as I can. I don't want to hit the rocks. I remember that's going to kill you, and I make like a pencil, and it's really good, but then I'm shocked how long I'm in the air, and I don't know what to do, so I try to fly, okay? I don't know if you guys have ever done that. I just thought, it's weird I haven't hit the water yet. I look down. It's still really far away. 72 feet makes, so I just kind of, I just kind of do this move right here. I'm, like, so I'm fired up about it. I'm thinking, this has got to help. The problem is my feet hit the water. And then my arms are out. And if you know this, it's kind of a fleshy, vulnerable spot of your body. And it smacked it going like 500 miles an hour and just pop. And I go into the water. 
and I have a decision to make. Do I come up crying? <laughs> or do I come up like a soldier? And I did the second one, and I was just like, oh, good, and I can't breathe. It hurts terribly, okay? But I don't want anybody else not to jump because I want them to feel the pain, okay? So I swim away. Second guy's a guy, I can't ever pronounce his last name, but it was something like Greg Nushenduga Flipper, okay? It was a weird last name. And just picture kind of a sphere of a man, and he's at the top, about 400 pounds of a sphere, okay? And so he's ready to jump, he's fired up, he jumps off. You've never seen a better pencil in your life. Straight, strong, I'm like, golly, that's amazing. And he's coming down. The one thing we didn't think about is he's wearing these big, thick Teva sandals, and they're buoyant, okay? He's coming down like a missile. He's just coming straight to the water, perfectly straight. Those Tiva sandals hit, and they don't want to go under the water, so they split out both sides. Shocking. And this is all we heard, up, until he went underwater. It's great. He's yelling about his kneecaps being split. Whatever, Greg, just swim over here. Noosh and Nuga Flopper, get to the side, okay? So there's one guy left, Rashad Sanders, great athlete, could dunk, you know, do cool stuff. And uh, Rashad was real serious about those rocks, so he jumped further out than I've ever seen a human jump. I mean, shockingly. I was just watching him like, there's no way, you know? Just, he's just flying above us. And then he makes a pretty good pencil until the very end, and I don't know why, but his legs just started kind of coming up like he couldn't control it, and that sucker went in like this. And most of the lake water left in that moment, okay? It hits. I heard that same terrible noise, and then it goes underwater. Well, the problem is he didn't come back up, okay? That'd be a really sad story if that was the very end of it, but he, he didn't come up for a while, okay? It's like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and I look around, I'm like, can Rashad swim? You know, like, we didn't ask, the, we did, all the stuff we covered, nobody ever asked. Come to find out he can't really swim, he's really in pain, he comes up, 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 Chris, my butt, like, it just, it's, everything's pain. <laughs> we swim him over, it's all good. Here's the spiritual tie-in. I believe... If you're going to be on mission, there's got to come a moment where you go all in. And I believe a lot of times, especially as comfortable as life can naturally be, it's really easy to be that first guy that takes a look at the difficult and sits it out. And you can say whatever you want about the experience. If you want to call that cliff jumping a storm, everybody navigated it differently. Some kneecaps were hurt, some, some backsides were a little sore, my underarms were painful, all the things that happened, but I'm telling you, what I love right now is, is I get to tell a group of people, I jumped. I don't know if HJ's preaching somewhere right now, but he's not telling this story, you know what I'm saying? He's like, well, I, I sat it out and, and was kind of a wuss for all four years of college, whatever he's saying right now, okay? But I'm, I'm telling you, I think a lot of times that ends up being our life if we're not strategic and on purpose and obedient. Man, I don't want you sitting it out. God's got something amazing for you. And it's probably going to require a jump of some sorts. There's going to be something like you, you've, you've done some things, but the next thing requires you to go. And I don't, I don't want you to be on the sides. I want you to think about this moment. It's like, wait a minute, I got to go. There might be a storm in the middle of it. That storm's irrelevant. I mean, it might hit a, a weak part of my body. Let's make that, bar, that part stronger. There's going to be something that's going to try to talk you out of or lie to you or want you to excuse yourself 
from actually doing it, but I'm telling you, there's a God responsibility that you have. There's people this week that need to be in this service next week. There's people 10 years from now that we've got to stay the course with this mindset and just say, I will jump. I will go all in. And I think the only way to do that is living this life of faith. And I, what I want you to ask yourself is, okay, God, I'm willing to make a bold move. And I, I want you to think about that, that term, bold moves. Sometimes we're making moves. Sometimes you're making a move in your business and you might physically move houses. <clears throat> but what's it look like for you in your life to be about making bold moves for God? Because this is what I think. We make bold moves, it activates God. David made a bold move and ran at that giant, God backed his play. I mean, there's somebody you're supposed to invite to church. There's somebody you're supposed to, to, to lay your hands on. It's like, man, they keep talking about their neck. Lay your hands on them and heal them. That's what you get to do. But we want to talk ourselves out or buy the lie that we're not going to be on mission. And I'm just telling you, we got to fight that. I want, I want you leaving here today to say, God, what bold moves are you asking me to make right now? What bold moves are you asking our family to make right now? I want you to challenge your kids with this, man. This is how we think. This is how we live. we got to jump. The storm's irrelevant. It's going to hit you, but it will not keep you from going where you're supposed to go. Last verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. You know this verse. Let me hit you with it in the Amplified because there's a word in here that, that struck me the other day. Now, faith is the assurance or the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for. It's divinely guaranteed. And the evidence of things not seen. Listen to this. It's the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith comprehends it as fact. If something's a fact, that means it's already happened and it's been proven. That's our faith activated. God, I'm asking you to show me the bold moves you want me to make, and I'm going to see it through the lens of faith. It seems impossible to me and very possible with faith. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't touch it. I can't smell it. But I'm going to see it through that lens of faith like it's already happened and it's already been proven. Man, you want to launch a company? Let's look at it through faith. You want to make sure your kid's school is full of Christian teachers? Let's look at it through faith. Man, you got a loved one that's not living for God? I'm calling it forth in faith. I'm comprehending it as fact because we're men and women of faith. I told you it's simple. But man, if we'll grab a hold of that, you wake every day just saying, okay, I'm putting these gloves on. I'm fighting something today and I'm fighting it with the faith. The Bible says that his favor is a shield around you. So every single situation you're gonna face, you're gonna face, it's gonna hit that favor before it ever gets to you. I can walk in some faith like that. Go make that car deal. Go buy that house. Go launch that company. Go talk to that person about Jesus. That's us on mission through the lens of faith. Man, I'm just telling you, something hits you at some point while we're talking, and that's probably your action item. What's God stirring in you just a little bit? Man, there's that one first step. He illuminates the next step. That's what he does. And then that step is established. Take the next established step. Enter the storm with confidence because here's where you are and here's where you're going and God will be with you the entire time. 
Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.